Namaste. This is Maya Tiwari with episode 6 of A Woman's Power to Heal Mother Earth. Previously called Om is Our Home. Today I'd like to talk to you in a very intimate and personal conversation about Ayurveda. Wise Earth Ayurveda is the name that I gave a particular model of Ayurveda which has been restoring the ancient Vedas, the ancient Atharva Veda back into practice and into learning. I make the distinction of Wise Earth Ayurveda because Ayurveda itself had become defunct in the motherland of India for more than a century before it became revitalized again. On my very first journey back to India, and that would be after 200 years of my ancestors leaving India, I returned there with my guru, Swami Dayananda Saraswati, who brought me back to India, to Rishikesh, where I started my studies in Vedanta and Sanskrit. In traveling through India, that was the mid-1980s, I was appalled to find that the state of Ayurveda had become so marginalized, so devalued, so incredibly defunct. There were simply no clinic, no hospital that was in any shape or form in a way that could tend to the needs and necessity of India's population, far less any other population. Many of the older Vaidyas were struggling to keep the science alive, but allopathic medicine, conventional attitudes towards healing had so taken a rise in India since, of course, the British occupation and even before the science of Ayurveda was declining, progressively worsening, not to be trusted by the populace. In fact, homeopathy was faring a lot better, but conventional medicine, building big hospitals and big clinical areas of, of research and, and scientific studies were well underway in India. Many of the great Mahatmas, in fact, preferred to receive allopathic and conventional medical treatment for their health because they trusted that science. But I understood that Ayurveda had to come back to its true glory, that the world was moving in the direction where this and other holistic approaches and sciences would become the norm for our tomorrows. And here it is. In our time, COVID-19 gives us our war, and that is 
the battle with nature. And it is a war that we must see to its completion. But it deserves and it will require each one of our full awareness, competence, adroitness, alacrity, and risibility. How can we look to be risible in this situation, to be joyous and joyful? Well, joy is not that exuberant feeling that we have when we are given a gift that we love or the misery that we feel when we are not given what we need or want. This type of risibility that I'm talking about is the deep nourishment of spirit that we do have. We have a spirit that is well nourished despite all of the grievances and all of the aberrations occurring in our mother nature at this time. And, and I will be more specific when I talk about this joy. It is an anandam. It's that blissful, phenomenal sense of awe that is tied within the spirit of each and every human person, regardless of our ancestry or traditional or religious or spiritual bearings. So coming back to my journey through India and the devastation I felt when I looked around, I traveled from the Himalayas to Kerala, all the way to the south, through Tamil Nadu, then again up to Nepal, where I found three ancient, very elderly Vaidyas that were in there. I think they were already a hundred years old, or more actually, that were still making Ayurveda medicines in the ancient way but so much had changed with the rhythms of our nature the stability within the impermeance of of mother nature that they could not quite they could not quite give birth to the medicines that they remember from their forebears but they tried and they succeeded against many different obstacles. So in my quest for reviving the ancient system of Ayurveda, I began to understand that we have within us the power to heal. I started to understand that through my odyssey with ovarian cancer and my survival from it at the very early ages, many of you would know. But beyond that, I had every faith, every shraddha that this science will come back because the world will need it and because we were moving into a critical time even then in the mid-80s when we were going to have to get back to self-sufficiency and to understanding medicine in its deeper roots. What I call inner medicine, with the Sanskrit word for it is sadhana, and that is our ability to heal ourselves. In the original Atharva Veda, from which Ayurveda came, the sadhanas and practices and principles were extremely clear and completely 
married to Mother Nature. Her seasonal cycles, her, her elements, her five elements, um, the rhythms of her lunar cycle, her solar cycles, all of it interlaced into the patterns that we experience within our vital tissue, the seven layers of our vital tissue, and within our memory as a human species. Now, I'm going to be talking a lot about what I call cosmic memory and our own cognitive memory and cellular memory as a human species. This is an interesting subject which we will discuss in another episode as we go forward because it does bear a great deal of importance to how we traverse this perilous time and regain our sentiency, which is a little bit different from intelligence. Sentiency is the factor that nothing, nothing, including the debauched sciences of today that genetically manipulate interspecies, it, they, it cannot, sentiency cannot be touched by any of those perversions. And we will get back to that because that is going to become an extremely important safety net for the human species. What we're looking at today in terms of COVID-19, the pandemic of our time, there are many opinions and many advocacies, many different ways that it is being looked at. But we need to understand that for us, for everyone, whatever the reasons are behind it, whatever the political and profiteering reasons are behind it, we're still left with the understanding that we have got to make changes that are, that are going to be serving us and Mother Nature during this time. So I get back to the restoration of sadhana. Food is a phenomenal element within the work of sadhana. It is the keeper of the five elements. And in its transformation, the body of life is formed. We are patterned from a weave of awesome memory, what I call cosmic memory. And our relationship to food, each and every one of our personal relationship to food and the food source, can unravel the vast mystery of our being in this planet, planet Earth. Food is the only element in nature that takes us through the complete cycle of the original cosmic seed to the fragile sprout to the flourishing plant to its fruit and sustenance. It makes us dig into the land, feast on her bounty, expel our bodily waste back into her earth in order that this earth may continue to enrich herself. The cycle is seamless, it is endless, it is constantly revolving around sentiency. 
intelligence of Mother Earth and the sentiency that is held in its absolute stupendous form within the vital dhatus of the human person. That is why I say eating is remembering. Because every time we imbibe Mother Nature's food, I'm not talking about the contaminated food bereft of joy and, and nutrients. I'm talking about food, anam, that grows on the earth without pesticides, without chemicals, without bioengineering, without it being completely devastated. That food is memory. Eating is remembering. Because as we eat, each process of the seven dhatu becomes refined, the food becomes refined, and then its essence is sent into the tissue that is beyond it, and then beyond it, and then beyond it. There is a structure which, a long time ago when I was studying the original Vedas, there is a structure which is like a crystal, it's like a kala crystal, that actually sparks a certain amount of effulgence, tejas, light, from one dhatu into the other as the food becomes essence, and the essence is then actually sparked, it's activated, it's irradiated, or no, sorry, it's radiated, not irradiated, into the tissue, the next tissue level. So if we start at the plasma, and then we go to blood, and and from there we go to to muscle and fat. However, we as we transcend the tissues, the essence is sparked into the next. It is such a phenomenal way that nature has given us light within the tissue. If we were to look at just the, the transformation that happens in this phenomenal period of feeding, or oh, we will never be able to again go back to the fodder, to the convoluted fodder that is being foisted upon the human population as food. I always say that a core acorn will not fall from the pear tree. And what I mean by that is that if it is left up to bioengineering and genetically manipulating our species from one species to the next, changing all of the molecular and cellular structure, not knowing how they're changing it, just having the great profiteering intent, or whatever their intent may be of the unsacred, then we will we will be seeing the aberrations, we will be seeing convolutions, we will be seeing the chaos that has absolutely unprecedented chaos within species. A disease that can then easily be transferred from one species to the next, which is crossing species barrier. The genome of the animal and the genome of the worm and the genome of the human persons are very, very different. It, it wasn't so long ago 
that science, modern science that is, thought that the number of genes or the DNA uh, that a more highly evolved species like the human will have many more uh, uh, DNA factors than the worm or the, the Japanese uh, japonica uh, tree that I think has many more DNA than the human human being. I'm not a scientist, obviously, but it isn't about the number of genome in human versus the worm. It is more the connection that we make between the genes and that we are never going to be able to fully fathom in modern science. The ancient physicists and astronomers and cosmic scientists of this world were, in my tradition of the Vedas, were the Vedic seers called the rishis because they understood the whole of life. Purnamadav, Purnamidam, Purnat, Purnamudachyate, Purnasya, Purnamadaya, Purnameva, Vashishyate. Even if we were to take a part of the whole away from the whole, that's W-H-O-L-E, still only the whole, W-H-O-L-E, remains. And what they were saying in that, in that sutra, basically, is that every little infinitesimal part of nature, of the whole, has within it the whole. So that basically, in the modern medicine, the reductionist system of modern medicine, where things are compartmentalized and fragmentized and torn apart and examined and put back together in its not-so-whole way. Modern science understands fragmentation. They can examine bits and pieces, which remain bits and pieces, come up with phenomenal uh, theories, some of which work, most of which don't. But what they fail to understand is that every little fragment of every little part that they pull apart and that they deal with and that they dissect and that they fragmentize actually contains the entire whole within it. But since they are not looking for that and since they don't understand that, they can only come up with unfinished processes which they, of course, call finished or whatever, as in, as in modern drugs, prescriptive drugs, as in the vaccine they're trying to come up with, and that's a whole other set of episodes as well. We'll talk about that again because there is a plan. There is a plan to override the human genome. I have no doubt about that. How successful they are depends on how much information and intelligence we are prepared to use as individuals as we go forward into this 
into the fore because basically we are being sent into this battle. We are in the middle of this battle. But we, we also need to understand that this battle is for our time the right to regain and reclaim our intrinsic sentiency as a human person. That's what we are fighting for. And the way to fight for that is through using our sentient beings for the purpose of understanding who we are. Every species is a form of remembering. It's a form of remembering its place, its power within Mother Nature, Mother Earth. It was formed from eons of memory, eons of samskaras or imprints into whichever planet we appeared in. The mountain goat has the memory of billions of eons stamped within the structure of its feet and that is why it can defy gravitation as it climbs to tremendous heights. The sages, by the way, observed that the goats understood them to be living symbols of freedom. And Aja, which is the Sanskrit word for a goat, means the freedom from the cycles of rebirth. Imagine that. Sanskrit is not just a language, it's a cosmically imprinted structure of sound that comes from the cosmic sound and therefore each of its nomenclatures, its names, its tags that it gives to stuff indicates a certain amount of its species memory. So sadhana. When I came back from my studies in India, which were tutorials in Vedanta, in Sanskrit, in Ayurveda, from the original Atharva Veda, and not from the schools that were 90% defunct universities for Ayurveda. There were still some colleges, but not. they were mostly based in a clinical approach to Ayurveda, because what happened a little bit more than 100 years ago in India when some Ayurveda was said to be restored by the government of India, they actually employed medical physicians, allopathic physicians, to redo the curricula and to cast the understanding of the original Ayurveda into a more clinical model so that it can meet the demands of our conventional medical times in India, which we so respect. And so I wanted to go back to the fore, and I was fortunate to have a guru, an incredible, brilliant spiritual master, who was a scholar in Vedanta and Sanskrit, and through whom I had access to the original Vedas, and tutorialship of a few of the elders in the community of the Gurukul where I could study 
based on my own understanding of coming through the channels of death and having had a rebirth again at the age of 23 from ovarian cancer, I was ripe and ready for these studies which we put forth as wise earth Ayurveda, sadhana. All about using not a huge panoply of, of herbs and, and remedies which Ayurveda is so renowned for, its herbologies and its science of, of, of medicines, but really to use mostly the medicine that is part and parcel within our own cellular cells and memory. That sadhana is what we've been teaching for the last 35 years. It awakens when we practice understanding our hands to be the five elements, coursing through it. When we practice with our limbs back to the stone of Mother Earth, into the temple we call the kitchen using food and using breath and using sound in the way that they were intended to be used, then this sadhana practice awakens the deeply embedded healing codes within every part of our cellular memory and therefore our connection to Mother Earth and her timeless universe deepens. Observing a peaceful lifestyle in harmony with the greater energies of our universe entails much more than not killing and eating animals. It demands that we retool the mind to understand our own human sentiency and the gift that no other species has in this world but the human. As I move about the world with the peace-generating mission of not only creating peace mandalas with Mother Nature's grain so that we can touch upon that grain and remember that seed, the seed from which all of life come, that seed which we must respect, that seed which, has, which if it is not tampered with by the, the genetically modified organisms, if it is not tampered with by bioengineering, if it is not tampered with by the host of gases and chemicals and obscene toxic elements that we, that we the profiteers, the 1%, the top of that pyramid, and that pyramid is falling down, but there's another episode again that we must come to. If we are just looking at that seed, and by the way, the seed which we are not pulverizing just to make all sorts of things out of it because we oppose drinking milk, so we're going to take two million seeds and make it into milk, and then, no, we have to respect that each seed, each individual seed has a memory, and each memory has a function within the human tissue, within the animal, within the forest, within the air, within the sky, within... Mother Earth herself. It is called respect for good Earth, respect for the Mother, respect for everything that is meant to be alive in a certain 
pattern that only nature has the key to. Thank you for listening to me. And I end with a prayer about our hands. A magnificent prayer from the Rig Vedas. I am me hasto Bhagavan. I am me Bhagavattaraha. I am me e Vishwabhe e Shajoyagm Shiva Bimarshanaha. My hands are blissful, and in them lies the healing energies of Mother Earth. Thank you. Peace be your journey.